You are listening to Essence, a podcast about story, journey, and self. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Essence, a podcast about journey, story, and self. I am, of course, Ben Stimson of Paducah Wellness and your host for this Essence Conversation. Today I'm very, very pleased to invite onto the show a very good personal friend of mine, uh, Carrie Lee. Carrie Lee has been many things in my life. Um, when I first met her, she was a TA in some of the courses I was taking originally. Uh, then she became a friend, and then um, she was the, actually the inspiration, or one of the inspirations, to um, for me to pursue my own psychotherapy counseling career. And uh, through that process, she became not only a catalyst, but she became my therapist as part of that process, um, and eventually a colleague and a friend. And so, um, Kerry as part of my own journey is a very important part. But we're not going to talk about my journey today. We're going to talk about Kerry's. Um, Kerry is an emigre from the corporate world. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about her journey out of the corporate world and into this place of of, of psychotherapy and uh, her practice. We're going to talk a little bit about her spirituality. We're going to talk about her life journey and, uh, and also some of the... Um, wonderful and inspiring lessons that she has learned over the past few decades of her life. Um, Knowing Kerry as I do so intimately uh, as a colleague and a friend, um, I've I've had uh, an opportunity to bear witness to some incredible things that she's done and built and uh, to see her practice um, really grow and for her to grow into her niche um, and it's been very inspiring for my own practice, and uh, and so I had to have her on the show. I had to have, ask her about her adventures and her uh, journey and what she's learned about herself. As always, it would be really really cool if you can uh, hit that big subscribe button and check out the website or my Facebook page for updates on how to find more episodes of of Essence Podcast, and definitely check out Carrie's uh, uh, Facebook page. Um, she uh, runs a weekly. Uh, meditation on Wednesdays. Uh, anybody is welcome to Centered on Gene Keys. Um, she has amazing offerings. If you're in the Kitchener Waterloo or Guelph area, um, uh, Kerry has also started uh, when we weren't in lockdown um, to do uh, monthly walks and meditation walks. And uh, she and I have some interesting goodies coming up in the next few years uh, planned out. So um, do check her page out. All the details will be at the bottom. And of course, also please do subscribe to the channel. Enjoy the chat. Welcome to the show. I'd like to thank uh, a very dear friend of mine and colleague, um, Kerry, for coming on to the show today. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about Kerry's work in the major areas that she works with um, and her journey of how, uh, how, she, get, how she got here. Kerry um, is a psychotherapist, registered psychotherapist in the Kitchener Waterloo area. Um, and you started this work. You, when did you graduate? I always forget. I graduated in 2017. In 2017. And dove right in from there. Mm. So I've been practicing about four years now. Four yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It is. Wow. So Carrie and I, for our viewership, Carrie and I met each other about five years ago now. And that was um, when I was starting to dive, start like tiptoe into my own personal work 
Um, I started attending classes down here in Kitchener at the Hive and Grove, where I'm, I currently work um, with uh, uh, both Tiffany and Kerry, and Tiffany will be on another episode. And I remember you were just starting to TA some of the classes. And you had a, a blonde bob, you had um, bleach blonde hair back then, just in the corporate world. Um, so let's start by talking a little bit about that. Where do you come from and how did you get here? Oh, Huge well, question. I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an accidental tourist to this whole journey when I, when I think back about it. I grew up in a, in a village just outside of Owen Sound, Ontario, called Shallow Lake. It's... For those that know the area, it's on the way to Sobble Beach. You gotta go up Highway 6, and so you'll pass through my small village. And when I first left Shallow Lake, I moved to the city. Uh, I was in Toronto for about a year and a half and didn't like the big, big city, so came back home for about six weeks and then ended up in Kitchener, um, Ontario, and was in the insurance industry for a little while. And that was interesting. That was an interesting journey. I worked with um, a specialist on structured settlements. So people who had had medical malpractice, uh, very bad accidents, workplace injuries, that kind of thing, looking for what they would be a lifetime pension due to, due to you know, physical disability or dam- you know, brain damage, whatever that might be. Uh, got married, moved back up to the On Sound area and had uh, three girls. And during that time, uh, our local postmaster asked me if I'd be interested in doing a little bit of casual postmaster work for her. She had two small sons at home and wanted some time with them. So I said, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, that has been a theme of my life. Sure, why not? You know, why not try something new and different? So I said, okay. And that actually launched me on a path that's led to today. So that first sure why not has, has you know, that's been a key marker milestone in my life. I um, was pursued at that point from the Career Leadership Development Program of Canada Post, and I ended up being a superintendent in the plant operations in Kitchener on night shift and moved into something called a value stream leader where I took on a 24-hour operation responsibility. And from there, I promoted to an operations manager role in Hamilton at the Stony Creek plant and did that for several years and then moved into the process engineering stream. All of this, all of this was, yeah, why not? Why not? Why not do this? Um, was a Lean Six Sigma, certified as a Lean Six Sigma black belt. So at that point, I became a process design improvement specialist. And 20 years with Canada Post, uh, you know, almost 20 years with Canada Post, it was a long time. It was time for a change. I jumped out into private, uh, private industry and worked for an HVAC company as a project manager and then quality manager. And this opportunity to go back to school in the meantime, inside of all of that, uh, 2012, 2013 was a pivotal year, the end of 2012. You know how we talk about 2012, we have the whole spiritual thing going on. Well, actually in a personal way, it was very much a point of transformation for me. So I was headhunted by this private HVAC company uh, to consider a PM role and a, an acquaintance of mine decided to set me up on a blind date. And I, again, why not? Uh, ended up, he turned into my husband, <laughs> my, my current husband. 
<laughs> and I found the Hive and Grove, you know, yes. late 2012, early 2013, and started on the the tax, um, <laughs> the total self. I had to stop and think. What was the I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the total self program. And that alchemy was like life transforming. Oh, one more, one more piece that landed in that was the gene keys as well. I discovered the gene keys all around that same time. So it was like spirit was saying, okay, you're, you've gone as far as you can go on, on, you know, it's time for a wholesale change. You're going to change everything about you. And here it is being corporate, personal, spiritual. There it is. There's the cocktail. And that's exactly what's happened. If I was to look back on my life, back in 2012, 2013 to now, um, I had no idea this is where I would be now, back then. So I feel in the course of eight, nine years, everything's changed. Yeah. Big shifts. Big shifts. Big shifts. Now, I, I realize, I don't think I've ever actually asked you, how is it that you discovered the Hiver Grove? Because it, it's been such a, a, an integral part of both our journeys. Um, you know, five years ago, I would never have thought that I would be working with you over there in adjoining offices. Mm-hmm. How did you find it? How did you come across this place? Well, there, there was um, something called the uh, First Star Psychic Fairs. They used to run in, in Bingaman's. Mm-hmm. Um, three or four times a year. And I love to go, not necessarily for the readings and that, but for the book table. There was a there was one table there that had books that I could not find, you know, in chapters or in in necessarily in local bookshops, save the the secondhand shop in, in downtown Kitchener, where they would have some of these books, more esoteric, more uh, spiritual explorer, you know, much more broader perspective than you know the homogenous stuff that you get in the the big books uh, the the big box bookstore so I used to like the Friday the Friday afternoon I would be like one of the first in there so I dive straight to that table and have my you know have first dibs on those books and the one time I was there um, there was this like stand of uh, transformational arts college their their yearly calendar and I looked at it, I thought, that's interesting. And, and stuck to the front of it was where Total Self Course is now being offered in Kitchener. So I took the catalog with me, I bought my books, walked away with an armful of books in the, in the catalog, and went and had a coffee at um, the City Cafe, one of, the, one of our favorite places here in Kitchener. I went to the City Cafe and sat down, had a coffee, and started flipping through the calendar. And I should dial back a little bit for the previous decade, I was looking, there was a stir in me that what I was doing corporately was not what I was to be doing. And what I was doing was sucking the life out of me. So I started researching conflict resolution, master's degrees and different like psychology degrees. And I just could not pin down what it was the stir was about. And every academic stream I looked at, it was like, some of it but not all of it just wasn't singing to me and so then when i opened up the catalog and spiritual psychotherapy program i went i didn't know this is what i was looking for but this is what i was looking for and i go i I, like absorbed that whole calendar's content about the program that's beautiful and um 
signed up and the total self courses were a requirement. They had it as a prerequisite. What I didn't realize was I could have joined the program at that time and done the total self courses. But anyways, long story short, I contacted Tiffany through email. It was Labor Day weekend. She was starting the first total self courses that, that week. Yeah. Labor Day. So I emailed and said, I don't know if I'm too late, but I would love to join the first two courses that you're offering. And she wrote back right away. Yeah, no problem. You know, yeah. come on in. You can pay when you get here, blah, blah, blah. And that is the start of the, the journey with, with TAC, the total self courses, spiritual psychotherapy, all of that. Yeah. Amazing. It's 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 funny. I know I know we've spoken about this before, but my experience was the same. Like I met Tiffany originally through uh Bingman's. Again, I was uh so I, I had I was a vendor, I was I was vending next to her. And I yep. no idea because of my first time going to this event, no idea who anybody was down here. And uh and uh, and suddenly Tiffany and her son and George show up and um and start setting up the table and I have, you know, all sorts of beautiful stuff on my table. And, and suddenly that, you know, that, um, that, uh, iconic, Oh, 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 coming over and, and buying up my entire stock. And I'm like, Oh, who are you? But it was the week later where I'd spoken to her and it was a week later that the, uh, one of the, um, courses was starting at the time I was only an hour, I was an hour and a half up north it That's was right. a trek to come down here but I made that decision there's almost that, that feeling of oh something there's something in this right there's something in this it's like yeah it's like listening to that still small voice within it's like this is take a step in this direction it's exactly what I felt too when I found that catalog it's like this this is what I've been looking for and I oh. am really super curious so that yeah. that journey of 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 the search though it was nothing new to you because mm -hmm. a few a few years ago um you had actually thought about training to become a pastor that's right like a couple of decades ago right <laughs> i had started that pursuit back in the in the late 90s yeah mm. i'm an oldster so yeah back in the late 90s uh i was very involved in our local church um in various leadership roles with young moms, with the youth, with um, the women's ministries. Mm -hmm. I knew that servant leadership was part of my calling in some capacity. And I had, uh, I had a challenging journey, I will say back then. And I had decided I enrolled in a seminary in the States to pursue my, uh, my bachelor's program uh, in biblical studies. So taking a look at particularly the Old Testament and some of the New Testament writings and breaking them down, doing all of that. And I got about three quarters of the way through that degree before my whole life blew up and our, our church body blew up. Everything blew up back then, back in the late 90s. And I had a real crisis of faith at that point. And I look back now and I realize that had to break asunder in order for me to really find my authentic sense of self that it wasn't something that was given to me or put upon me but rather this journey had to be my own you know something i had to self-discover as it is with all of us you know we're, we're we're maybe born into traditions and maybe those traditions do fit us and that does sing to our soul uh the one that I was born into, I mean, it, it served me well growing up, uh, but there was things that just didn't ring authentically true for me. It was like there was, it was in part, but not in whole. Yeah. 
so yeah so i i um with that like that was the beginning of the dark night of the soul for me my own personal dark night was i lost my faith i lost my first marriage i lost my sense of community I, like everything came crashing in on me and i went into a very dark place for for quite a while mm. uh and i and it was a shedding it was a shedding of of the me i was trying to be but wasn't being authentic mm. to me if that makes sense yeah so yeah this path has been been mine for a very long i mean i've been i've always been on the seeker's path my whole life and it's only now that i'm really starting to feel like i've i've found some a, a solid direction in moving i will continue to be a seeker for the rest of my days i have no doubt i'm always ready to learn something new and experience something new so but yeah absolutely and there was almost a sense when you were talking about um a claiming of sovereignty a claiming of ownership of mm -hmm. your of your process of your spiritual life yep. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. it has to be that way yeah. it has to be that way and it can be dark and challenging to come to that recognition that mm -hmm. if if it is to be it's up to me simply put you know what is right and noble and true and honorable and valid for me of me through me by me you know all all distinctive energies yes, all that, authentic energies and all authentic energies yeah yes. exactly. yeah, yeah so that is the journey journey back to self you know back to capital s self you know one of the things uh, just in saying that, one of the things that really blew, cracked me open was discovering Carl Jung and, and, and the idea of, you know, collective unconsciousness mm -hmm. and the collective unconscious and the subconscious and the, the superconscious and, and that whole transpersonal perspective. And that's really what I've anchored myself into mm -hmm. is that, that knowing and understanding of you know, the path of individuation, understanding what that means. It opens up uh, my passions, my passions around personal sovereignty, around the, the realm of the ancestors, you know, working, working with the ancestral stream and, and coming to understand higher consciousness and how, as we um, follow our own path, as we discover our own truth, our own authenticity, we actually contribute positively to the collective in in raising consciousness and understanding we don't have to stay in shadow so yeah interdependency interdependent interdependence and, yes. and yes interdependence a beautiful way to put it it's not that it's not that we need each other but we do yes to be our highest and best self is is we embrace each other's independence and Syn and that synarchy energy yes, that, synarchy, yes. that the gene keeps talks about is i'm gonna i'm doing me and as i do me i am gonna fully support you in doing you i'm not gonna tell you how to be you i'm not gonna tell you what you need to do but i'm gonna i'm gonna be your cheerleader support you mm. in discovering that personal sovereignty for yourself that personal you know individual it's so, expression. It's so that's the thing it's so important there are mm -hmm. so many people and I won't discount myself from that either. There are so many people where 
and so many times in our lives and so many situations in our lives where that decision of stepping into authenticity and being our true selves versus not. And often, more often than not, at least in my life, I the struggle is not, right? Mm-hmm. It, um, it, uh, it is a lifelong journey, as you said. And that raises for us the next point, the two kind of major um, aspects that I associate with you, with your work, is the gene keys, that spiritual path, and then also the ancestral and, and death and dying. Um, you mentioned the gene keys before. For people who may not be aware of them, what are the gene keys? What, what, how did you um, become involved with them? Again, accidental tourist thing, <laughs> right? I, um, in 2012, after I'd been on my own for seven or eight years at that point, marriage had dissolved single mom doing my own thing and I used to when the girl's dad came and got them for a Saturday I would go into the chapters bookstore up the street for a coffee a browse of the bookshop is like church for me going to the bookstore and just casually you know scanning the shelves and my first go-to stop would always be the spirituality well-being section I was always looking for something to feed my soul and the, the one day I was in there and this book called Gene Keys was sitting on the shelf, shelf and I'm going, oh, I'm kind of interested in, you know, right that, there we go. That one right here. <laughs> that one right here. And, you know, it, I, I had heard about epigenetics and how, you know, ancestral trauma can impact you and that kind of thing. That was something new and upcoming in the, in the science realm. And I thought that's what I was picking up was something on that. I thought, oh, this looks interesting. And then the title says, you know, discovering your higher purpose. Huh, you know, I here I am, uh, cast adrift, single, raising kids, corporate life, you know, no real major. I had started to develop a social life at that point, but not having a real sense of purpose, still in, in the Crown Corporation, still in the postal system at that point. So I picked the book up and thought, all right, this is, let's try it, let's see what, see what it says. Well, I, I read it from front to back, cover to cover, not really understanding the first mm-hmm. time I picked it up, what I was reading. And, but I did, I just absorbed it. Like, I'm not sure what I'm reading exactly, but this is singing to my soul. There's something in something this. Something in things, right? Wow. Yeah. I recognize myself in that and that and that. And then I went to the web, but there's a website that goes with it where you can create a hologenetic profile, your own personal hologenetic profile. So I should dial back and say, what I discovered about the Gene Keys in reading it is it is um, Richard Rudd. He's an Englishman. He's a poet. He's a master I Ching, I Ching master. He's, he's a number of things. He's, he's what I would consider a polymath in many ways. Uh, just a brilliant man and a, a deeply, deeply compassionate soul. And he had, he had his own deep spiritual experience in receiving this wisdom that he's shared in the gene keys and the gene keys are based on the I Ching, the ancient chinese system 64 hexagrams Mm -hmm. and also has some human design influence richard was um, a student of ra who who created human design Mm -hmm. and it is also based on the I Ching, and it's more about the mechanics of of your humanity the gene keys is more about the consciousness of the humanity really it is about the consciousness of humanity and and 
moving from the the shadow energies that that keep us small and keep our the light in our DNA contained into moving into the gifts, which is us walking our our purpose here in this life, you know, stepping into capital S itself, that individuation process. Um, so once I discovered the hologenetic profile, I went back and I reread the my the keys that show up in my profile and then things really started to break open it's like oh i'm i'm beginning to understand this and that was the beginning of my journey with the gene keys which is really my foundation now as far as my own spiritual practice goes is is moving with the gene keys and what they've what they've shown me about myself and it's like i could spend the rest of my life working with this with this wisdom and and probably another two or three lifetimes before I'm really, really, you know, anchored in it. So uh, it's it's an amazing, an amazing uh, transmission. It's amazing wisdom uh, and approach. It's a it's a unique approach to taking a look at your own personal self and how you're how you're wired, how you're coded. This goes right down into your DNA coding. Um, the hologenetic yeah. profile. So um, for, for our viewers who may not know what that is, um, it's, it's a way of showing various different aspects of life. And the gene keys are what show up um, as the kind of the dominant, almost like patron gene key of that area yeah. of life. Is that a, a good way of describing it? What, what have I made? Yeah, the, the keys themselves are, are, are like a code that you unlock. Mm-hmm. And as you unlock them sequentially, well, it doesn't even, it's each person's journey is unique, but as you unlock the, the code mm-hmm. of the key in your profile, you're opening up your higher purpose. You're stepping into your, your own personal, you know, skill set, talents, gifts, what it is you're bringing in service to the whole, really, because that's what it's about. It's not necessarily about individual mastery, but the unlocking of your deep spiritual gifts that support the collective in raising consciousness and the collective, and it's how we plug into the whole. So there is your personal reflection, expression to the world, and there are keys that help you um, determine and refine your expression to the world. And then there's the inner journey of self. There are keys that help us you know, come back to authenticity, which is a big chunk of what we're doing in this incarnation, right? We're walking out our dharma, we're transmuting our karma, we're mm. we're contributing to the the lifting of consciousness in general. So that's what the keys are about. Now the keys have three individual paths inside the hologenetic profile. The first one is the activation sequence, and that is your prime gifts. So there's four keys in that, and that is your prime self-empowerment this is your this is your superpower and how you show up in this incarnation and then the the second path is called the venus sequence Mm. and that is about dropping into your inner child really your emotional self and doing that healing work Mm. so that you can show up um, in that unconditional detached compassion you hear the Dalai Lama talking about it all the time. You hear the spiritual yeah. masters talking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. The Venus sequence unlocks that for us. It brings us back to our core wound, you know, the root of our pain, you know, the ground zero. 
and transmuting that impact, finding that self-empowering again. And the third path is called the prosperity sequence. And this is about our abundance and prosperity. This is about how we connect in service to the whole. This is how we show up in, in provision of abundance, but also in re reception of abundance and prosperity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's a beautiful journey. It's an absolutely beautiful journey. Yeah. And just listening to you, I mean, we've certainly talked about the Gene Keys a lot over the years. Um, it strikes me that those three sequences mirror the way that each individual gene key operates because each individual gene key, you have the, you're, you're standing in that shadow, which is that um, almost unconscious state, right? Yeah. You're moving into that conscious state and then that transpersonal state in the, in the form of the, almost like um, a Pokemon evolution, right? You start small yeah. and you grow big, right? Yeah, that's right. And it sounds like the, the three paths mirror that process. Yeah, the, the activation sequence is about your physicality, right? The first thing we have to do, and, and Jung alludes to this as well, I, I think any spiritual tradition actually alludes to this, is we have to be embodied. Yes. In order to fully experience this, fully this human experience to, and, and, and connect into our higher self, you know, in that unified state is we have to be embodied. Most of us live three feet out of the body in our mental realm. That's where we sit for most of our lives is in our thought life uh, and, and, and not embodied. And so the activation sequence is calling us back to be embodied saying the starting point is here. Your, your emotional self, your mental self needs to be residing in your physical self. You're a triune creature and you need to be triune on the journey. So the activation sequence is about that physical piece, the physical body. The Venus sequence is about the emotional body. And the prosperity sequence is about the mental body. So it's, it's getting the alignment happening. The mental body cannot be rightly aligned unless the emotional body is rightly aligned, which cannot happen unless the physical body is rightly aligned. And that's the journey. Yeah. That's holistic practice right there. That's holistic practice right there. Exactly. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for years I've tried to find my fit, you know, the, the major religious domiciles don't, I mean, part of them do. And this is also, you know, a pretty cogent thing is part of them, part of them fit me. The truth, there is truth in each of them that I deeply, deeply resonate and I embrace fully. The, the pagan path, the heathen path, the pagan path, I don't resonate with fully either, but there are big pieces of it that I do, that I do embrace. Um, the, the far Eastern paths, same thing. There's so much that resonates, but it's, it's not the entirety for me. And it's, that's maybe true for many of us is there, I mean, there are 10,000 paths to the, the top of the mountain in facing, in facing God, right there. We each, well, and quite frankly, there's seven and a half billion paths because we each have our own unique journey. Um, so I would call myself, if I have to identify, you know, if I have to have a label, I would say I'm an omnist mm. in that I see, I see truth in all in all of those different um, traditions. And the Gene Keys actually allows me to express that omnism because everything I'm learning inside of this 
this path is actually reflected in the gene keys. I can see that. And the, you know, if I was to resonate, I mean, there are elements of, of the Christ journey that are deeply embedded in me because that's, I grew up in, in the Christian tradition. And so the, the whole idea of Christ consciousness still is very deeply embedded in me. The, the Buddhic, you know, the, the uh, tradition of Buddhism and the, and the Tao is deeply embedded in me too. I resonate with so much of that as well. And then there's Hermeticism, yes. the journey of alchemy, which is a big one for me as well, that journey of spiritual alchemy. The three, Hermes and Buddha and Christ, um, I'm I, I resonate with all three. And there's my own personal alchemy of all three inside of that. And then inside of that is the divine feminine, right. which has been, had been the missing piece of my whole life. And, and I credit Tiffany in a big, big way um, for cracking that open for me. It's like, ah, there it is. That is what I've been missing. You know, it's most of what the, most of the world is missing is the divine feminine, right? We, it has been, it's been ostracized for, for centuries, you know, for millennia. And I think that is the major awakening that's happening right now is the return of the divine feminine and the, the, these divine masculine expressions in service to the divine yeah. feminine. Yes, yes. So there, there's a, I know it doesn't really answer my spirituality, but maybe gives a little glimpse into it because I'm still trying to discern exactly where I, where I fit. <laughs> so, yeah, but I would say that those three major traditions and encapsulated inside the divine feminine in an omnistic way, I am, I am discerning my path and journey. Love it. I don't even know if that was the question, but there you go. There's an answer. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, it, it was. Um, it, it, what what you what you what I really took from what you just said um, was about almost coming back into relationship, right? Um, as you were talking, I was a little niddle in the back of my head. Um, the, the writer Mirabai Star, who was amazing. Um, she uh, works a great deal with um, female mystics and the, the return to the divine feminine through mysticism yeah. and how it's, it's all about relationship, right? Because, you know, the masculinity, it's about creating walls or that toxic masculinity. Action, action, action. Walls, defend, yeah. defend, defend. Yeah. Whereas the, the divine feminine is about relationship. And throughout, you were, you were talking about the gene keys. It was about coming back into relationship with self. And so, I, I mean, we've talked about um, mysticism outside of this interview many times. And it, it completely makes sense to me that you would be drawn to that mysticism because you're having that direct relationship with God, the spirit, divine, whatever, unimpeded. By unimpeded. Rules. Yeah. Expectations. You know, everything that dogma. Yes. You know, yeah. how much of us get, get locked up in dogma? It doesn't matter what tradition, Christian, pagan, Buddhist, you know, Islamic, whatever is that, that uh, heartlessness yes. that ends up in the rules and the regulations and the dogma. We get, we get attached to a very narrow perspective. Yes. And we cut off, we cut ourselves off, actually, from, from the collective and doing that. And ourselves, like reflecting yeah, this conversation yeah. to the kind of the, the work of psychotherapy, the work of, of working with people. Um, I know 
in my client, many of my clients I've had, that relationship with self was very, very weak. It was in the shadow. It was, you know, coming back to that relationship with self, both lower S and higher case S um, was a huge part of the journey, right? Yeah, it's interesting too. What I think what I really, really like about the gene keys is we often, you know, we hear shadow in our in our field. We're working with shadow. That's what we're doing. We're working to transmute shadow. Is this idea that shadow is lower than, less than, something um, nebulous and scary and you know dangerous and all those things that go with it, and that you know, consciousness and higher consciousness is light and airy and whatever, that there's this hierarchy of consciousness happening. When in fact, we are, we are frequency bands. Energy is, is a frequency. It resonates at a lower frequency rate, a higher frequency rate. So if you were to look at shadow gift and higher expression, rather as a frequency, we're moving in and out of these different frequency bands all the time. So it's not like we take shadow and transmute and it's done with, right. you know, and now I'm, now I'm on this level and then I'm, I'm, I'm working at this level and my goal is to get to that level. We are on all levels at all times. Mm. It's just like a radio band. What am I tuned into right now in my human experience? Am I embodied? Number one. Where's my emotional self, number two? Where's my mental self? And, and it's, if we were to think of shadow and, and gift and essence as rather a frequency band, shadow being, it's not, it's, not that it's, it's not that it's evil. It's not that it's dark. It's not that it's morbid. It's that it's a lower frequency, simply, simply what it is. It's, it's the resonance of our fear. That's what shadow is. When you think about it, it is the core of it is fear gift you know that's that's the embodiment it's like okay i see that and I'm, i you know whether or not this is happening in my life whether or not i'm in relationship with this whether or not i'm okay because i've taken a look at that fear and that's what's been transmuted right does that make sense? It, it makes sense to me. It makes okay. sense. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully it makes sense to anybody listening. But but that that whole idea that um that we're bad. Right. There's that there's the voice of shame. Right. That's what keeps us in that lower frequency is this idea that we're less than, that there's something wrong with us, that we're not worthy, that we're not whatever. That's the message of shadow. Yes. And that is tucked into fear somewhere. Yes. It's hooked into fear somewhere what we do you know in our profession is say this whole space to say okay let's take a look at that what is that what is that fear that you're holding on to right now or it's got a hold of you rather mm -hmm. what's that journey back to whether or not i'm i'm actually okay whether or not. and i could start to move into higher expressions higher expressions mean higher frequency not higher a uh, hierarchical higher frequency lighter you know the the light frequencies yes yes yeah. that that yeah. hierarchical is um is, is 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 so covert but it's so massive it, it, it is a huge creature in the room that we have to 
tiptoe around. I, I was just thinking as you were talking about the, um, uh, the cultural systems that we're born into. Um, being from Britain, we have the class system over there. Yeah. And the, the component of, you know, you, um, the, the hierarchy within society of, first of all, London is supreme, but then, you know, so only certain parts of London and then there's only certain yeah. people with blue blood and so on and so on. And, and only and, certain coastal codes on top of the uh, Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Certain money, certain landowners, all of this. And, um, and so, and, uh, and British culture is, is based on that shame. It's based on what would the neighbours think. Don't do this in case the neighbours disapprove, you know, there is that concept of, of bad and that hierarchy versus I find in North America where all of those people who were the original immigrants coming over, people fleeing that mentality, there's a lot more positivity, which has issues in itself, but, mm -hmm. but there's a different relationship there, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Not, as, not as evident, maybe. Not as, evident. Not, not as, not as in your face. Mm -hmm. I think we, we still have lots of work to do for sure. Yeah. There's still hierarchy yes. in our social construct there. Yes. I don't know that until we have a, a make, like major awakening, we'll, we'll be free of that hierarchy attitude. Right? I think that's what needs to be torn down is the idea of hierarchy. Yeah. You know, the other one, the other big one that I, I see too in our, in our own culture is uh, the idea that we're somehow separate from nature. You know that we have dominion over nature that nature's here to serve us and it's remembering that we're not in nature we are nature yes. you know? yes. that is that can be a, a mind blow for people yes. you know yeah. especially in the spiritual communities because there's a disconnection even in the spiritual communities i've seen it as well there's that um uh, I, I've noticed in the pagan community, certainly, a lot of people who are living in urban centers and they don't have images or, or they don't have a reality around them of the forest. You know, the forest is the few trees in the park. Um, and so that just looking around, there can be that sense of, oh, well, I, this is an abstract concept for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. We, I, I, think, I think humanity would be well served to take a more animistic point of view. Because mm -hmm. that's our reality. Yes, I'm yeah. so pleased that you brought that up because that leads me into my next question. <laughs> you were talking about embodying yes. a few minutes ago, and you had an embodying um, ancestral experience a few years ago, returning to the homeland. Oh my goodness! Yes. Can I ask you about that? And I, I want to ask you about it with a little preface there, because what you were talking about was that, first of all, that that use of the animist um, perspective, but also in that cultural sense. I mean, you're a child of, um, you know, your great your grandmother was from Ireland, wasn't she? Uh, my both sides of my house are like generations deep Irish, generations deep Irish. Yes, I would love to talk about this. So talk to me about it. This was a life-changing yeah. experience and it goes back to uh, 2017. Was it 2017? Uh, wow. 2017, yeah. 2017 was a, a transformative year all on its own, right? Mm. Like that was, it was almost like my initiation year. Right. That was the year of initiation. And then I graduated, I started my practice, I quit corporate, I went to Mexico on, yes, right. on Tiffany's um, personal development program. 
and that you know that launched Ireland for me. So yes, I have you know generations deep Irish ancestry from from, from the land of you know, the Green Isle, and in Mexico we went we did um, spanning your spark into flame is is the journey that she created and it's again it's about diving into shadow what's in there what's holding me back what is that experience and coming out into the light and saying wait a minute i'm going to embrace my essence that's that journey that five-day journey and we're we're on the island of isla Mujeres for that so the uh isla magical the magical island home to the goddess Seychelles, mm-hmm. who is about transformation so very symbolic, you know, the whole thing that she she created in that program is super symbolic, super energetic. Mm. And so when we did that, we came back and talked about, you know, why don't we do a, uh, a silent cafe? Because I had been running death cafes at that point yes. to help normalize the death and dying process. That's a whole other stream. But we're like, well, let's do silent cafe, right? What, what the the British Isles would call the dumb supper, you know, in the British tradition, is inviting the dead uh, at, at the time of Samhain, the thinning of the veils there uh, in the Celtic Wheel of the Years, to invite them in to join us in a silent cafe. It's, it's, an, it's an homage, it's, an, it's a memory of those that have gone before and recognizing that we're only one breath away, you know. They not, may not be here in physical, but that doesn't mean they're not with us. So. We did that. We had the silent cafe and it was um, a beautiful and profound experience. I found myself, um, I had invited my father to join me. He had died um, a couple of years prior <clears throat> and had a picture of him and, and sat down and I was having my tea and I was contemplating and rolling back on, you know, just positive memory of dad. And I found myself needing to write. So I started to write. And it was a message from him. And then it ended up not being just him, but the voice of the ancestors. And they gave me very explicit instructions. It was return to Ireland and take with you a piece of the family to leave in the Wicklow Mountains and then travel to Galway and receive a piece of the family to bring home with you. And so I wrote it all down and I'm going, am I, am I crazy? Like, what is this? And I sat with it and it's like, and for a year and a half, I did, I mean, I sat with it having no idea when I would ever get to Ireland. I just didn't know how I would make that happen, what that would look like. I just left, you know, I was corporate. I was struggling to build a practice, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, a year and a half later, I'm sitting on the couch with my husband and flipping through my phone as I was wanting to do because he was watching like a towing show or something. And this advert popped up on my social media, uh, return airfare to Ireland, like $363 or something. It was like unbelievable deal. And I looked at, I said, I showed him, I said, look at this, this is crazy. I've never seen, it's usually like $800 return to go to Ireland. You know, and that's a a deal. That is a deal. Mm -hmm. And um, he's going, cool and he said oh, oh wouldn't it be nice if you know if i could go there and he goes well, why why not it's like <laughs> right so i just sat with that and then tiff and i had a we did a uh, there was this, this community event where we we took a bunch of our instruments down and we were doing sound bath demos for people 
and we're sitting there talking away and I was telling her, yeah, I was talking about whatever. And I thought, yeah, I got this crazy thing. You wouldn't believe it. I got this advert for Ireland and I had saved money for Mexico to go to Mexico. So I was just finished telling her I had this money sitting there for Mexico. And this is in March. So this is in, in uh, mid-March and telling her about Ireland and this deal for Ireland. I said, oh, God, I wish I could go, but I'm going to Mexico in, in October. And she looks at me, she goes, so you're not going to Ireland because, you know, as she does, she has as these she ways does. of asking questions, right? And I, I jammed up. It's like, I didn't have an answer for her. It's like sitting there and I just knew I got to do this. Yeah. So that I went home and, and, uh, laid in bed with Patrick that night. I was telling you about my conversation with, with Tiffany he goes, you go girl, do it. That's all I needed. So the next day I booked my flight. Then I had two weeks to figure out, well, what am I, what if, what if the lineage am I taking? Like, what are the family am I taking back? Is it a picture of my aunt Jackie? Is it a, like, I have no idea. Is it, am I going to leave a lock in my hair? Because I was meant to leave something of the family in, in the Wicklow mountains. I had no idea. And I was leaving on a uh, Monday, Monday night flight. And so I was up at my mom's on the weekends and telling her about my trip to Ireland and so I'm going to do. And I, I did a solo journey. I went by myself. Uh, this was a this was a true pilgrimage for me. Yes. And we're sitting there talking. She gets this look on her face and she goes, I've got something for you. Like we were just random talking. She has no idea about these marching orders I've got. I didn't tell her. She goes rifling through her dining room drawer, which is full of, I don't know if it's like that in other people's houses, but her dining room drawers were full of stuff like from decades ago. Mm -hmm. rifle 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 and she comes out with this little jewelry box and hands it to me here i think you should have this i was thinking about this the other day and i think you should have this and so i open it up it's my father's baby ring from when he was a newborn wow. and it had it was a gold ring with his initials on it and um i went well thank you and it didn't click until i got home oh my that is what i'm taking to ireland like it was just it literally handed to me here there you go take that so okay i get to ireland i do my thing that's a whole other conversation i'm going to return it really quick i'm being mindful of my time here <clears throat> um i have this ring in my in my glasses case i've taken it with me and i'm in wicklow landed in dublin spent a day in the city rented my car headed to the wicklow mountains wandering around glendalow and i decided in my head it was going to be glendalow and I did a hike way back up into the lakes and I was going to leave it somewhere in the forest of Glendalough. And because my, my triple great grandfather came from Wicklow County. So this was his land. My father's double great grandfather, whatever my father's 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 father kind of thing. Um, wandered around was by myself, but there was this class of grade eight students school students that were also visiting Glendalough that day and everywhere I went I would be by myself and be ready to drop in and do a little ritual and leave it there and these kids gaggles of them like beside me and around me and it just wasn't happening I was so I was so distraught next day uh, I go stay in my B&B the next day I thought I'm on this the B&B is in the middle of nowhere in Wicklow and there's this old bridge from like 
1000 AD. It's old. Oh, well, I'll stand on the bridge and I'll just drop it into the river. That's a great idea. Beautiful. And a beautiful idea, right? And because there's nobody around, this bridge is by itself. And I get up in the morning and it is pissing down rain. You know, typical Irish countryside weather. Just I, like there was no way I was standing and doing this. So I drive and um, I decided to go for a, a forest hike at this place called Avondale, which is at the foot of the, the Wicklow Mountains. Um, so I get in there and it's starting to feel more like, oh, maybe this is a possible, I'm going to find a big old tree that I can tuck it into the wood or do something like that, hide it. So the magpie doesn't get it because <clears throat> the magpies find some shiny things to take on. Uh, walk and walk and walk, walk and walk. Nothing feels right. Nothing feels right. I get to this open, it's like this strip of land that the foresters have, I guess, to stop, you know, fire or whatever from happening. And on the top of the hill is this cairn, this stone cairn. Huh, let's go have a look at this. I walk up the hill to the cairn. I take it in. I'm looking down the, the valley into farmland, the most beautiful tiered farms at the bottom of these mountain foothills. Like breathtakingly beautiful scenery surrounded by old growth trees and forest. And this cairn was a monument to Ireland's first foresters. Because what the country was, the legend was, it was so covered in trees that a squirrel could go to Kerry, County Kerry, just hopping across, across the trees. They never touched the ground. That's how forested Ireland was. England, the British Isles, forested it down to about, I think it was, I don't know, 4% of the forest was left in the entire island. So decimated Ireland's forests. There wasn't a whole lot left, but this one spot in our in, in Southern Ireland had still had a little growth in it. And so the owner made it a, a national park and turned it over to the government, became a national park. So this was, um, and that was back in the early, like the turn of the last century, the, the foresters, the country had enough strength that they could create a foresters group and they started to manage their their forests again. And so they're back up to like 18 or 19% coverage, which is phenomenal in a hundred years, that's incredible. So here's the connection and here's why this place was so perfect was my father wanted to be a forester. When he was, you know, 17, 18 years old, he actually wanted to go to join the forestry. And instead, uh, the burden of responsibility was to take over the family farm. So his dream to be a forester was superseded by taking over the family farm and having family and raising kids. So it struck me when I read this. I was like, this is it. Looked around the cairn. On the top of the cairn, there's a, a big stone with a divot in it, just big enough for that ring to drop in deep enough that nobody will see it. Nobody will know it's there, but well, now you guys all know it's there. <laughs> Anybody watching this now knows that it's there, but um, the magpie wouldn't be able to see it. And I returned a piece of the family to, to Wicklow. Uh, that place forever has my heart. I, there, there was something transformative happened in, in those moments I sat there. 
dial, dial forward, I had incredible experiences all through Ireland, as I traveled all through Ireland. I ended up in Galway County and this day of, like, I had no idea. Am I going to go to the city of Galway and go buy a clattering? Like, I knew it, it had to receive it. Like, the message was, you're going to be gifted something. It's not that you get to go and buy it. So I was like, <laughs> there was one thing that I wanted to do, and that was, um, there's a fellow named uh, Pat Noon. He's a, he's a farmer and he calls himself the fairy whisperer. He says that his farm has the fae on it. And I had seen this for some time. And, and anyway, I knew, I didn't think I had time to, to meet him on this trip. So I was going to save that for the next trip. But that day it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to text him and see if he'll, if he'll uh, entertain me. Cause he, he invites drop in. Sorry. Just call me and I'll arrange time with you. So I said, this is my last day on the road. And I'm from Canada, and I'd love to see your farm. I'd love to come and chat with you. Everyone. Would it be possible to do that today? Uh, what time are you going to be here? It's no hello or nothing. So what time can you be here? In about 90 minutes. Ta. Yeah. So I took that as yes, right? It's like, I think Tommy, yes. The way I went. And um, had an incredible two hours with him, walking his land, hearing about the fae. He's got standing stone. He's got a fertility stone. He's got a chieftain's burial mound that's been uh, the archaeologists haven't touched yet so it's an untouched mound um he has um a fairy portal what he says is a portal to the thing and so he opened the portal and had me go through and i had an incredible experience in there it, i that's another story anyway um we go through all of that. He tells me about the Fae and his experience and shows me a thousand year old ash tree that I, I was a tree hugger that day. Um, and, and he had me, he said, put your ear against the tree and listen. It sounded like a babbling brook. Yeah. Um, it was just phenomenal. Thousand year old you, you know, um, just deep, deep ancient energy, like spirit of place. Ireland talks about spirit of place. Yeah. This place had it. Invites me in for a tea. And we're talking away and, you know, he's, he's such an interesting bloke and, and had a fantastic visit with him. And as I was getting ready to leave, he says, oh, I have something for you. He says, I don't give this to everybody, but I want to give this to you. Okay. And, and again, I'm clueless. I'm not. Didn't click. Yes, yes. Didn't click. And he hands me a piece of um, peat, a brick of peat from the bog. And he said, I want you to have that. And so we made a joke about me packing that away and, and, um, he says, you should be fine. Stick it in your rubber boot and you'll be good. <clears throat> so he gave me this piece of peat bog. And not until I left his place and was driving down the road did it strike me. Oh, my God. The second part of that uh, directive was just fulfilled. Yes. I am literally bringing a piece of the family home. My family heritage on both sides were farmers yes they tilled the soil they they grew the crops they they lived by the land just like pat was doing he was of that same stock and he just literally handed me a piece of the family right down to i mean the irish are tied to the land wherever they go they're tied to their land yeah i uh, i was blown away i should show you my brick piece can i just yes, show us yes it's nothing special <laughs> It's a piece of it's a piece of soil that's been packed away, but they in Ireland they use this to heat, to heat their homes. This is literally their source of heat. And there's my oh beautiful. There is my peat. 
And see, so with Pete, though, it is very ancestral because generation upon generation upon generation of growth builds it up. You can't just create peat in no. a small time period, right? Yes, exactly. So it's, it's I, I mean, it could not have been a more perfect gift if anybody doubted what they're hearing when they're plugging into their ancestral lineage. Maybe this story will help them to believe a little deeper their own journeys. Um, it sounded fantastical before I went. I didn't really tell anybody about it until after I came home. <laughs> it was like, I remember talking to Tiffany about it going, I just got directives. And she's, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and doubting myself until I was actually on the land. It's like, again, why not? Why not this happening? It's just, it was perfect. It was a perfect alignment. So. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That was like, I, it always floors me when you, ever you tell me that story because it's like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. It, um, it was, it was major turning point for me. I think there was, there was, there was healing out of that. There was like the lineage backwards, you know, those that have already gone, there was healing for them through that. Yes. I truly believe that when, when we transform these old family pains, these old ancestral uh, traumas and pains mm -hmm. when, when we do something choiceful and, and and active and intentional here as we're here that healing flows backwards mm -hmm. as well as forwards yeah it's it's a profound work um it's part of that whole death and dying work you know and it's something that you're really enveloping more into your one-on-one -on -one work with people yeah as for sure well. So if somebody, last question then, if somebody was interested in diving deeper into either the gene keys or, or, or working with ancestral energies or death and dying work, um, what, uh, how, how would you work with that with them? What would be some ways? I know it's very individual, but. Yeah, it's very, it's, I think it's very individual. It's going to depend on the individuals is, uh, you know, part of that individuation work is Greek work. You know, whatever the loss might be, if it's loss of loved ones, if it's loss of animal companions, if it's a loss of a job or loss of identity or loss of whatever it is, um, the the work is discovering that again. What are the boundaries of me? What are the edges of me? Where am I not living into the full edge of myself because of my grief, because of my loss, because of my fear, because of my whatever it might be um you know and and creating uh, opportunities doing some of that active imagination work to mm -hmm. allow for connection that is the strength of our ancestors that is the 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 strength of their sense of self all of that um yeah i'm not quite sure how to answer that question because it would be an individual conversation around you know what is what is your own personal journey what, what's unfolded in that? What what needs to be unpacked and taken a look at? What needs to be re-embraced? Mm -hmm. You know, what needs to be accepted? Because we, if we have loss, there has to come become a place of I'm aware and I accept. And this is my starting point. You know, is it deep, painful work? It can be. Yes. It can be, but it can also be incredibly liberating and transforming as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You did answer that question. Thank you. Did I answer? Okay. <laughs> you did. Yes. <laughs> All right.
So if, um, if people wanted to connect with you, find out more about you, um, about your various offerings, how can they go about doing that? There, you can go to my website. So www.soulsigma, S-O-U-L-S-I-G-M-A dot C-A. Okay. Um, they, there's a, a contact form on the website itself. They can uh, email me at kerryleesrp at gmail.com. Um, yeah, for psychology today, you know, it's easy to do. I've got a listing on psychology today that they can, they can plug right in through there if they want to do that with some anonymity to start with a little distance first to ask questions or explore things. Yeah, I'm open. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I'm sure that you will be back again. Um, if not, I might just run in with a camera and interview you, you know, <laughs> and not too far away. Again, there's, there's so much we can talk about, right? There's a lot, a lot of things that we can explore. And I thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about me. Um, this was fun. It was good. I, I enjoyed this. Thank you. Okay. You have a good rest of the day. We will see you in the office. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. And I'm going to just stop.